This Squirecast podcast is brought to you by Snarky Faith. Snarky Faith is a place where we dive headfirst in the tumultuous crossroad of life, culture, and politics in Christendom today. Fed up with the insanity in Christianity? Well, you'll feel right at home here. I'm Stuart Deloney, and Snarky Faith is more than just a critique. Join me as we wrestle, question, and explore the dialogue that shapes our faith in the world today. So look for Snarky Faith wherever you listen to podcasts. Lord have mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is hateful. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, yeah, if yes, we're getting, hey. you're going to probably get angry with this one because these people are just a big bunch of fuckwads. And I can say this because these people are awful. Okay, great. Real quick, let me unfocus my eyes so I can disassociate the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So as you know, you've clicked on the episode title. We're talking about the Westboro Baptist cult. Yes, they call themselves church. They're not a church. They're a cult. And you will, if you do not have that opinion, you will have that opinion by the end of this episode because Jesus Christ, they strike. They take every box on the cult checklist. Yeah, like they they check every box. Uh, I would agree that they are a cult. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely awful. So before we get into the episode, let me give you guys some trigger warnings because holy shit, uh, wow. So there's um, physical abuse, homophobia, racism, anti-Semitism, hate speech, religious abuse, spiritual abuse. There is the mention of one animal murder. It's not graphic. And then there's mentions of abortion and uh, dementia comes into play at the end of the episode. So if any of those are too much for you guys, like just, just step see right you later. on out. Love you. We'll <laughs> see you in the next episode. We love you. But download the episode to your phone so we get credit for the listen. Thanks. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, let's just jump right into this because this is a lot. Um, so before we get into it, though, let me tell you where I got all this information. I okay. dug through. There was a guy. I should know this. I didn't write it down. I'm so sorry. There was a guy who did a documentary. Like a, I think it's like a four-part documentary um, on the Westboro Baptist Church. And he did it over like a handful of years. Um, Louis, I think Louis something. And he's from England. Um, so I got it from there. I also read Megan Phelps Roper's book, Unfollow. And then I also read a girl, her name is Lauren Drain. Um, and I read her book, shit, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I say it at the end, in the end of my notes. So we'll get to it. But I read her book as well. And they were both ex-members of Is the documentary this. called um, The Most Hated Family in America? The Most Hated, yes, I think so. By Louis yes. Thoreau. Thoreau. Louis Thoreau. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Uh, it's English. I don't know. Not sure which one it is. Okay. But, but anyways, yeah, yeah he's done called. a lot of different documentaries. And there's like four or five different parts. I have links to all of them, so I will put them in the show notes for you guys because they can kind of be a little difficult to find. But if my links are still working, because this was a while <laughs> back when I found all those. So if they're still working, they'll be in the show notes. But heard that. let's just get into this. I decided to cover this case. I had it for a couple weeks out, but since Lola mentioned it last week, because... They did pick at the funeral of Matthew Shepard. So I thought, let's just let's just go on this ride, you know? Yeah, if 
that wasn't enough to make me feel gross feelings towards them. I think after you talk about everything, I'm going to feel even worse. It's, it's get, it gets worse. Thanks. It, it really does get worse. Yeah, you're welcome. That's why we're here. <laughs> Cheers, friend. <laughs> okay, so for those that don't know, the Westboro Baptist Church is best known for the hateful pickets they do. Um, they do them at funerals. They do them after like mass tragedies. They do it at schools, universities, any kind of pride event. Um, they even do it at like football games and they talk about the pigskin on the football. And, and it's just, I know, because that's, that's against the Old Testament. Don't, I don't even, they're, like I said, they're crazy. Do you think they just really like chanting and signs, like signage? <sighs> we'll get into all of that because they have their reasons. Okay. But yeah, we'll get into it. So, <sighs> Many of their signs have gotten progressively more hateful over the years. Now, trigger warning, I am going to say the F word and not our favorite fuck word. Okay, Mm -mm. it's the other really bad F word, fag. I'm going to be saying that a few times during this episode. So I am so sorry, but trigger warning. I said it once during the Matthew um, Shepard case. I I don't like using that word, but... same. I have to with this case because it's just... Just for quotation. Literally, these people. So some of their signs read, God hates fags. That's actually the link to their website. Godhatesfags.com is literally their church website. I'm I'm not even kidding. Not even kidding. Like they're that hateful. They have signs that say, thank God for dead soldiers. Uh, You're going to hell. Same-sex parents doom kids. Abortion dooms nations. Christians caused abortion by winking at divorce, remarriage, and gays. Oh, that's yummy. (laughs) Yeah. So how did they get here, right? Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to go back to the way beginning where all of this began and tell you the whole story. So the Westboro Baptist Church was founded by a man named Fred Phelps. So Fred was born November 13th, 1929. He's an oldie. Um, he was born in Meridian, Mississippi. In school, he was an Eagle Scout. He was part of a high school fraternity. Whatever the fuck that is, because I've never heard of a high school fraternity. You but, haven't? Uh, no. What the fuck is a high school fraternity? Normally, it's like private schools have them, not like public high schools. But it works pretty much the same as like college where you have to pay dues to it or something and like go to all the activities and like serve at certain functions. Well, his parents were, I think, Methodist. And so like, I guess he could have been in a private school, but I never found that he was in a private school. It never listed anything like that. But okay. I guess he could have been. Yeah. He was also a member of the State Guard, which is similar to what we would call the ROTC, which stands for Reserve Mm. Officer Training Corps, which a lot of high school students do. Uh, He graduated high school at 16 years old and ranked number six out of 213 students. So Mm. he had a few squiggles in his brain, unfortunately, and that will help him in the future, uh, but to our demise. Now, after high school, he got an appointment at the prestigious West Point Military Academy, But before his appointment, he attended a tent revival and had an encounter with God. And after this encounter, he decided, fuck it, I'm going to pursue religion instead. Do you know what happened at the encounter? Like, did God... I never... Like, suck on his tongue or something? (laughs) 
Oh my God, that is like the worst. It's so different for everyone. I I mean, did he like whisper something in your ear, stuck on your tongue? Like what happened? Not that, not that I found, I couldn't find like details. It just like he had an encounter and came to Jesus. You know how these tent revivals are. Well, I don't know. You're 25. Do you know a lot about the tent revivals? I know about them, but I've never like attended one. And I don't think I know anybody that's attended one. And so you were Church of Christ. So like, could you guys dance? No. God, no. We couldn't Okay, Okay, so... Okay, so go to the opposite end of the spectrum where like you have these tent revivals where you're like dancing and people are hollering and things like that. It's usually very like Pentecostal. Yeah, that's it. And so it is, it is so infectious. And it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, naturally people don't want to miss out. It's psychological. Yes. I mean, FOMO at its at its greatest. Yeah. And so I can assume people were getting saved, people were crying, and it just, he fell along with the crowd, you know? That's what I'm assuming. Something along those lines. It did upset his dad, and they they did, he did not like that his, his son was passing up an appointment with West Point, because West Point's a, like I said, prestigious military academy, and he's just kind of throwing that opportunity away. Well, um, he became an ordained Southern Baptist pastor at 17, um, and that was in September of 1947. After graduation, he went to Bob Jones University and spent his summers <gasps> trying to convert Mormons. Yeah, he went to Bob Jones. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, he We're tried to con- convert Mormons. <laughs> like I said, he said he had this encounter and he was just like, okay, Jesus all the way. Here we go. He said, full sin, let's raw dog this bitch. Okay. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I have so many sexual references tonight. <laughs> you know what? Bring them. Um, um, we, need, we need comedic relief with this episode because these people nice. are just so freaking hateful. Yeah, he would try to convert the Mormons over to like the Southern Baptist side. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually dropped out of Bob Jones University. Not sure why, but he moved to California and attended John Mayer College in Pasadena, where he also did a lot of street preaching. <laughs> God. Fred began speaking out and lecturing fellow students about, quote, the sins committed on campus by students and teachers, promiscuous petting, evil language, profanity, cheating, teachers' filthy jokes in classrooms, and pandering to the lusts of the flesh, end quote. (laughs) Wow. Okay. He really likes to watch. Okay. (laughs) This young man is literally street preaching at his university. I, he's like the young version of Sister Susie. Do you know who Sister Susie is? No. One margarita and I'll open my lips. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's Sister it. Susie's the one who I gave that. that one. Yep. She's a, nice. she's a handful. <laughs> now the college stepped in and they ordered him to stop because in California, there's a law forbidding any kind of teaching of religion on any public school campus and universities or public schools. So Fred decided to just move his preaching across the street. He literally just went across the street to where he was on public property. Bold move. (laughs) He said, checkmate, atheist. Okay. Yeah. He was very proud of this too. Like when he gets like founds Westboro Baptist Church and stuff, like he talks about this and there was like an article written about it and he framed it and put it up in his office in the church and had it there his entire time. Like, yeah. He's a little conceited. It's giving small dick energy. Okay. Oh, a lot more gives small dick energy. 
Nice. Okay, so he just went across the street. Well, in October of 1951, Fred met a Margie Marie Sims, and they married in May of 1952. So they weren't wasting no time. They were just a perfect little Christian couple and met in October and married in May. He wanted to fuck and he couldn't do it without being married. <laughs> I know. And I'm surprised they waited that long. Like that's a long time in a Christian mm. marriage or Christian dating scene, especially back in the 50s, you know? Wait, how long was it? Uh, October to May. So October, May. Yeah, longer than when my mother decided to date again. My, it was longer than my relationship with Tyler before I got married. Ours was four and wow. a half months. So, dang, we beat we beat we beat Fred Phelps. Whoop, whoop. Just kidding. <laughs> That's not something to talk about. <laughs> now, uh, quickly after they started, they got married. They started having kids. They started popping them out. Now, As over the does. years, they had yeah, over the years, sixteen years specifically, they had thirteen children. Oh my god, thirteen. They had sixteen pregnancies. In 16 years, oh. but three of them were stillborns. This poor woman's body. Jeez. Yeah. Fred Phelps Jr. This, I'm just going to name all the kids. So you've got Fred Phelps Jr., Mark Phelps, Catherine Phelps, Margie Phelps, Shirley Phelps Roper, Nate Phelps, Jonathan Phelps, Rebecca Phelps, Elizabeth Phelps, Timothy Phelps, Dortha Bird Phelps, Rachel Phelps, Abigail Phelps. I don't know why I, sa- I had to say their last name for all of them. But no no Michael Phelps? No, no, no Michael Phelps. <laughs> That's all I could think of the entire time. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, I was like three-fourths way through it. And I was like, why do you keep saying the last name? That's kind no, of annoying. it's fine. You know? <laughs> they are the Phelps family, if you didn't catch on. Heard that. Mm. Now, they moved to Topeka, Kansas in 1954. Now, they attended a local Baptist church called Eastside Baptist. Everyone there loved Fred, hardcore. And he was very passionate with his preaching, and the woman loved Margie, his wife. The church wanted to open up another church branch across town, and so they just asked Fred to be the pastor of that branch, and he was like, heck yeah. So they bought the building, they re-roofed it, painted it, and bought the songbooks for the church. They like got the entire church building ready, <laughs> and literally... 50 former members of Eastside Baptist followed Fred over to Westboro and he had a church from there. It was his. And Damn. 50 members, you know, he like already had a congregation going. So it was like literally handed to him. They opened May 20th, 1956. So I just like I just want to talk about this timeline really quick because this is like super fucking fast. That's they fast. moved to Topeka, Kansas in 1954. I don't, no, let's just like give him the benefit of the doubt and just say January 1954. So let's give him the whole year. By 1956, just two years, less than two years, he already has given his own church in this new town. Like, I'm sorry, but that's really fast. It's hard to establish yourself as a pastor because you're kind of a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's got to say something for like preaching ability or like... I don't and know. And there were some red flags that I'm like, really? You didn't see that and think, maybe we shouldn't give this guy a church. And I'll get into it in a minute. But before long, the pastor at Eastside and Fred started to butt heads. Fred thought that the other pastor wasn't strict enough. And he also didn't agree with the belief that God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. Fred was like, no, God hates oh. both. So 
You're too loving. God hates you, period. (laughs) Yeah, done. Sign still delivered. Now, when a male member came to Fred for marital advice, okay, Jesus Christ, I hate that I'm going to say this. Uh, Fred told the man that he should beat his wife and that would put her into submission. I will beat him into submission. (laughs) Well, later on, that same member of the church called Fred asking for bail because he (gasps) did beat his wife and she called the motherfucking cops on him and filed assault charges. Good girl. Right? Well, that (sighs) Sunday, Fred said in his sermon, quote, they can lock us up, but we'll still do what the Bible tells us to do. Either our wives are going to obey or we're going to beat them. Wow. Did he only have the one wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he only had one wife. Oh, And from what woman. I know, he did. Oh, we'll get into that. We, oh, no. oh, it's tragic. It is tragic. Now, members were already not liking Fred's being super strict and like all of his shenanigans. Um, and after this, they were like, nope, that's straw that broke the camera's, camel's back. Camera's back. Kind of thing. <laughs> camera's. Actually, no, sorry, just kidding. That was not what broke the camel's back. This okay. is what broke the camel's back. One day, Fred's neighborhood dog came into their fenced, unfenced yard, and it made Fred mad. Trigger warning. I'm so sorry. Uh, He shot the dog. Dang it. He did. I'm so sorry. Okay. He shot the dog and he killed it. Yeah. Now, uh, this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back, and many left the church and returned to the Eastside Baptist location. Only Fred, his family, and just a couple other families remained at the WBC location. Good. Now, the neighbor was furious, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, so he sued Fred. Uh, Fred decided to represent himself in this law lawsuit. <laughs> and I don't know how the fuck this happened. He actually won. What? He represented himself and he actually won. It's absolutely wild. And many believe that this was the situation that um, made Fred decide to get his law degree. He was like, oh, I'm good oh, at this. God. I can do this. Yeah. Oh, wait. Like, when I tell you this gets wild, girl, we're only starting. Now, uh, since not many were attending the WBC besides his family, they struggled for money. And so in order to save money, Fred decided to move his family into the church building, and he made part of the building their home. So same building. Home. Fred also had to start selling vacuum cleaners. He sold baby carriages and insurance door to door. So he was like a salesman. Now it's, I'll bring this up a little bit. Actually, I won't bring this up later, but I'm just going to mention it now. But in the future, (laughs) Fred ends up suing every single one of his employers that he sold all this stuff (laughs) for. He sued them all. When, when like Fred Phelps is like the fucking definition of a frivolous lawsuit. Like it's, it gets wild. Now, Fred's mother and father were Methodist, and Fred's reaction or rejection of West Point, Fred abandoning their faith, and the fact that his father remarried a woman who was divorced made the relationship between him and his family very tense until eventually Fred just cut, went no contact with them and just cut them out of, of his life. Mm. This is so sad. The grandparents tried to reconnect for years. And after him and uh, Margie started having kids, the grandparents would send things in the mail, like gift cards, letters, Mm -hmm. cards, even pictures and stuff like that. But every time Fred would just send them back unopened, 
But to be extra malicious, he would take the pictures of his parents and cut them up into little pieces, put them (gasps) into an envelope, and send them back. So I think he would open up the cards, but like the gifts, he left them unopened and then just like sent them back. That's a lot, Fred. Are you okay? (laughs) You're a fucking asshole. Like these poor, these poor people, I, I can't imagine. Now, Fred's home life with his wife and kids, it was a hot mess. He ran his home with an iron fist and it was very much like what he says goes. I'm pretty sure that doesn't shock anybody. Hmm. He didn't shy from corporal punishment. Not only did he not shy away from corporal punishment, he took it like 13,000 steps farther. And this is the red flag I was talking about earlier. When he first moved to Topeka and went to the Eastside Baptist Church location, he was seen in the pews slapping his five-month-old child because he was squirming during the sermon. Excuse me? I've become enraged, like that silent type of enraged. Five months old. So church leaders saw him do this, and instead of like taking it, noting it, like making sure that he doesn't get put in a position of power, they just told him never to do it again. And and so Margie, his wife, talked to him also, and he agreed to not, quote, punish uh, the children until they were one years old. And he didn't do it in in the sermon, like during church hours. Oh, my God. So they fucking saw him do this, slap his five-month-old baby, and then thought, "Mm, let's give you your whole ass church. What the fuck could go wrong? I need to hear this man speak. I need to know, like, what... There's something about cult leaders. They have this like this charm that will let anything. Is this this charismatic? Yeah, and he had something about him because the man was able to represent himself as an like uneducated. Like he was a smart man, but he was uneducated in law. But he was able to represent himself and win a lawsuit before he went to law school. So he had something about him, and. I have a lot of concerns. There's so many. He he needs to be lobotomized at a Toyota thon. Like, (laughs) Mm. I Mm. trigger warning. We are gonna get into some pretty pretty awful physical abuse. So just gonna put that out there. Okay, embracing myself. Yeah, he beat his kids with a barber strap. It's like a leather strap, and he used it so much that the ends frayed. Then one day he (gasps) gathered his kids and just to tell them that he wasn't going to use the strap anymore. He made this a fucking like announcement, like family meeting. I'm not going to use the leather strap anymore, but instead I'm going to use this Maddox handle, which is like literally a wooden handle, like thick ass wooden handle. Oh, yeah. Nate and Mark, which are two of Fred's sons, they eventually end up leaving the WBC later in life. Um, and they came out and told a lot about their childhood. And they revealed just how horrible it was. They said that the handle that he used was about three feet long. And when they were beaten with it, it felt like being beaten with a baseball bat. Oh my God. Like I'm against all types of corporal punishment, even spanking with your hand mm-hmm. on somebody on your child's butt. I'm against mm-hmm. that. Not not going to have a discussion about that. I literally just gagged. But yeah, this is like so beyond corporal punishment. 
Like, this is not punishment. This is abuse. This is torture. This is... No words. No fucking words. No, I have a lot of words. This man's probably dead now, though, so I can't have those words with him. He he is very much dead now. Yes. His death is interesting, though, which we will we will talk about. I can't wait to hear about it. That will be my mm-hmm. favorite part, I think. <laughs> <sighs> now, Mark recounted a time when his father severely beat Nate and himself. He hit Mark 60 times and Nate over 200 with the Maddox handle. Nate was beat so bad that when he went, that he actually went into shock and passed out. This beating happened on fucking Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And this Christmas, I will just think about him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. Now, all of Fred's children that had stayed at the WBC deny this and even to this day continue to deny it. But there are court records and eyewitnesses that say differently. And here is where I'm going to get into, like, we actually have court records that prove abuse. And Fred did this to himself, which is actually kind of funny. So not the abuse, but like how we know about this is Fred's fault. Now, one year when the kids were in school, they got their report cards and Nate and Jonathan didn't do so well. Fred severely beat them for it. And he beat them so bad Mm -hmm. that the boys had multiple bruises. Their legs were swollen so bad that they couldn't bend them and they couldn't even sit down. Not only did he beat them, but he shaved their heads to embarrass them at school. This was like back in the 70s, shoulder length hair was very much like in. Yeah. So having their heads shaved, head shaved, it was pretty embarrassing. Like I can't Mm -hmm. imagine what that would be like. At school that week, the teachers obviously noticed all the bruises on the boys and they notified the authorities. A case of child abuse was filed against Fred, but was later dropped because principals and other uh, superiors questioned the boys' statements because they didn't want to get involved with anything against Fred Phelps. Is it because of his position of power? He didn't even have a position of like power at this time. He was just incessantly obnoxious and berating and he would sue everybody. He was constantly filing frivolous lawsuits, which we will get into more in a little bit. And so he would just became too much to handle. And so they were just like, well, let's just not deal with this. My God. Absolutely frustrating. So they dropped it. He was, like I said, he was known to sue and be aggressively demeaning. So people just avoided him. He was too much to be around. Mm-hmm. Not only people, but this even was the opinion of police. Many, many police officers <gasps> within the department. He was just too much to uh, deal with. So like, just let him be, ignore him, move on kind of thing. Now, the boys' files were sealed because they were minors and they would have been cleared when they turned 18. Like, nobody would have known anything about this abuse. But because of the child abuse case, Fred decided to sue the school. He was pissed off. So he files a lawsuit against the school and the school's insurance asked for the details of the case and the principal outlined the events and why they suspected the children were being abused. The case was later dropped, but because of it, we now have public records. Since the insurance asked for this, the school outlined it. It was part of public records Mm. and it was part of, uh, uh, it goes along with Nate's testimony of the abuse he endured as a child. So it like, he has corroborating evidence, even though all the other siblings are like, ah, oh, that didn't happen. 
It was sunshine and fucking rainbows over here. Ain't that just the way? Mm. Now, Fred did not only just abuse his children, he also highly abused Margie. This is all coming from Nate, mostly Nate. Um, and who was the other one? Fred. No, Mark, Mark, Nate and Mark. Uh, they're the ones that mostly told a lot about this. Now, um, I think this is, I think this is from Nate. I'm just going to read you this quote. It's kind of long, but it's in their words. And so I feel like it's more powerful um, when it's coming from their words themselves. So he said, quote, my father was very effective at jamming Bible verses down her throat in reference to Margie, the mom, Mm -hmm. about wives being in subjection to their husbands. She was a small woman and very gentle. She felt God had put her with Fred and she had to endure Oh, mom would try to interfere. Um, And Mark said that. She'd come running out finally into the uh, church auditorium as the beatings would escalate and yell wildly, Fred, stop it. You're going to kill him. And then my father would turn on her. I remember him screaming, oh, so you want me to just let them go, huh? You don't believe in discipline, huh? Why don't you just shut your goddamn mouth before I slap you? Get your fat hussy ass out here. I'm warning you, goddammit. You either shut up or I'm going to beat you. And then Mark continued, she'd shut up till she couldn't take it anymore. Then she'd start again. When she did, he'd start beating her and hitting her with his fist. And sometimes she'd just come up and grab him. Sometimes she'd run out the front door and sometimes he'd just slap her and beat her until she'd shut up. I can't remember times when, I can remember times when she'd get hit so hard. It would... It looked like she'd be knocked out and she'd stagger and almost fall. She would give out this desperate scream right at the moment when he would hit her. If this man got possessed by a demon, he wouldn't even notice it. No. Like, who in the fuck authorized this? And see what I mean by like, I could summarize that, but it's it doesn't, it wouldn't do it justice. Like hearing mm-hmm. their words like shows the depth of like how bad not only the physical abuse was, but also the emotional abuse. Like he was berating her. He called her a, a fat hussy and a, mm. oh God, it's just, I can't. Now that was from, um, I think it was an article. I have it linked. Uh, I'll have it linked, but it's Addicted to Hate by John Michael Bell. Now he also um, threw Marjorie down the stairs and it tore one of her ligaments ligaments in her shoulder. And the doctor said that she needed surgery, but Fred wouldn't allow it. And they didn't have health insurance, so it was going to cost a lot of money. So he just made her deal with the torn ligament and let it, quote, heal on its own. Now, <sighs> she always she always had problems with that shoulder. And when he would get mad, he would get very malicious when he would beat her. And he would re-injure that exact same shoulder in future beatings. Yeah. Just to be a dick. Karma's uh, so... yeah. not working fast enough here. No. Mm-mm. No. no. Somebody do something. One time he cut Marjorie's hair because she wasn't being submissive to him. He cut it. Not only did he cut it, he cut it so short that it was about two inches of her hair was left. That was it. And then in some no. spots, it was actually it was actually cut down to the scalp in some areas. Okay. Yeah. So this is hurtful on several levels. Several. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like, hair means a lot. There is something about our hair 
Mm. man or woman, like non-binary, whatever. Like there is something about hair for the majority of people that it just, it is our identity. It is, it plays a very big role in our identity. Like I remember when I had my purple hair for a really long time and then I had to go brown for the summer. I literally cried because like my purple, it like means so much to me. I I just love it. Mm -hmm. And that was just changing the fucking color. Like if somebody shaved my head or cut my hair hair to where it was like, I don't even want to know what this fucking looked like on her head. Like I cannot imagine the depth of pain, emotional pain that she felt. And physical. I can't imagine that he was kind the way that he cut it. Oh. If if no. some parts were down to scalp, I mean, he he might have cut her, you know, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to cut her hair, I mean, so my great-grandmother, she will not allow us to cut her hair. She has never allowed anyone to cut her hair since, like, the 1950s when she got saved. Jeez. Because she, you know, there's that verse in the Bible, like, you, yes. you cut your hair, you cut your glory, pretty much. And, like, yes. women should cover mm-hmm. their heads and who's he, what's it. So, like... You lose your glory, that means that you lose favor in God's eyes. So that's what he was doing to her. He was like, he was condemning her in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Pretending that he was God, you know? Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. And um, hair is very important, to, very important to everyone. Even if you don't care, like, if your hair is shaved or long, like, mm-hmm. your hair is still important to you. In a lot of ways. Yeah. And and I know that we'll talk about more of their beliefs and stuff in a little while, but I do know that one of their beliefs over time was that like women couldn't cut their hair or dye mm-hmm. it or anything. Yep. And so I'm not sure the timeline if like this happened around the same time or whatever, but mm. like if that was gotcha. still, if that was already like a pretty hardcore belief they had, then there was like a spiritual aspect of the abuse as well taking that from her. Either way, he's got a thing with hair if he did that to his kids and then he did it to mm-hmm. his wife. Oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah, got yeah. something happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love for someone in the psychiatric field to dive into that. But He is a whole trash can toilet brush of a human. I'm still a piece of garbage. Minja. Yeah. And that trash can toilet brush, if you don't know, that's education and crime on TikTok. That's what she says. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> She's like, this is a trash can toilet brush person. I'm like, yes, amen. A nicely coined (laughs) phrase. Mm -hmm. Anywho, proceed. I love her. Okay, so not only was there physical abuse, um, but it got worse. It was made worse because, oh, Freddie boy over here, he was on some drugs. Um, (laughs) One of Fred's sons, Mark, he stated that growing up every month, he would ride his bike down to the pharmacy to pick up his dad's prescription for, uh, quote, Allergy pills is what they Mm. told the kids they were. It's allergy pills. It's fine. Um, Later, his mom said that the red pills were to help Fred go to sleep. So they were, what we find out later, it was barbiturates. And then when he would pick up the little yellow pills, he was told that it was to help Fred wake up. So it was like some kind of speed amphetamine type, probably like ADHD medication and stuff. 
Now, um, Mark said when his dad would take these pills, he was out of his fucking mind. He couldn't focus his eyes. He had little to no body control. He was just all the, he's all over the place. Um, when later on, when they questioned the pharmacist Mark named about this, he immediately denied he had ever filled a prescription of any kind for Fred Phelps, except one, which was some kind of like face cream. But he knew all of this off the top of his head without looking at any records. Excuse me. Oh, (laughs) shit. Bitch, I can't tell you what I ate for lunch yesterday. There's no way you (laughs) know your records for medicines that you you filled for a family 10 years ago. Like, (sighs) uh, then the pharmacist was questioned again later and admitted that he had been filling prescriptions for Mrs. Phelps. But mm. these were for a decade. He had filled these for decade for decades. Sorry, I can't talk. But it wasn't any type of amphetamines. Absolutely not, is what he said. Uh, the family physician who wrote the prescriptions twice for the Phelps reported that his doctor bag had been stolen, including <gasps> all of his narcotics. Oh my gosh, somebody's got little sticky fingers. Uh, unfortunately, <sighs> the thieves were never caught in the doctor bag and the narcotics were never found. He's and a cult then, klepto. Uh, but then in 1979, that exact same physician shot and killed himself in a Topeka parking lot. At the time, he was under investigation for providing amphetamines illegally to female patients in exchange for sexual favors. There's something in the water in Topeka. Mm, so I'm just going to let you decide if he was, you know, illegally prescribing Fed Phelps amphetamines or not. I will let you come to your own conclusions, but... Thank you. Love the creative mm-hmm. freedom here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Now, Fred was on drugs. Uh, he did drugs from 1962 to about 1968 until one day Fred's body couldn't handle like the drastic ups and downs of taking the uppers and then taking the downers. Um, until one day he just didn't wake up and he was rushed to the hospital where he stayed for about a week. And the kids were told that he had suffered an adverse reaction to his allergy medicine. Zyrtec don't do that shit. <laughs> when I tell you, there is like little to no re- like adverse reactions to allergy medication. It is one of the safest medications that we have in America. I talked to my doctor because they wanted me to start taking a, an allergy pill and I'm still kind of like overcoming a lot of the like natural health and wellness crunchy, the brainwashing that I endured and like trying to find a healthy balance, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to take a whole bunch of medication, but I'm already on two prescriptions for two different things. So I was like, oh, adding in another pill. And I was like, are there any like side effects for like long-term taking allergy pills? He's like, no. They're like the safest medication. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I've been on allergy medication. I'm 25 and I've been on it since I was two years old. There you go. I can't function without it. I can't be a good person without it. (laughs) No, No. I can't. I get the sniffles every single day. Unless it's and it would it. drive you crazy. So how how can you function through that? Yeah, but no, they're really safe. But so, I'm, I'm fine. sorry, everything's fine. I'm gonna call a I'm gonna call bullshit. He did okay. not have an allergic reaction. I'll allow to it. his allergy. And that's so funny. Well, while he was in the hospital, he kind of had this epiphany of like oh shit, my body can't handle this anymore. So Fred decided that he was going to be, you know, drug-free from now on. 
Um, if you hear barking, yeah, Lola, Lola, sorry, Luna, my dog me. is dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> she's dreaming. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the background. She's doing that whole like, <laughs> well, yeah. she's dreaming. I'm just going to let her be. But he was like, okay, I'm going to go drug free and I'm going to get really healthy. Now, in order to start off this little healthy kick, Fred decided the best way to do this was to go on a 47 day water only fast. Okay, Jesus. uh, Right. He went from 265 pounds down to 135. I mean, he lost a whole human. He literally lost a whole ass fucking human in 47 days. That's not healthy. No one should do this. We're not. No one here is advocating for that. Good Lord. Yeah. He also got into, after that 47-day fast, he decided to get into working out. And... (laughs) Because it's Fred, he decided to make it a family affair. And like everything, he went very fucking extreme with this. Now, he started out making um, all of the kids run five miles a day with him. Ah! And then he upped it to 10 miles a day. And I'd like to note that these kids were six to six years old to 16 years old. Mm, This is not normal. Running, Running 10 miles a day. After a year, a year of running, Fred made the kids run a fucking marathon, which if you didn't know, a marathon is 26.12 or 0.2 miles. It's over 26 miles. Are you fucking kidding me? Why did no one sterilize this man? Mm -hmm. So to get ready for this, like he continued to make them run the 10 miles a day. And then they ran 26 miles the the a marathon 26 miles every saturday and that was just the work up to running the actual marathon so 10 miles okay. monday 10 miles tuesday 10 miles 10 miles fast until saturday then, they'd run 26 okay. miles horrible yeah, what the fuck now he would allow them sundays to rest <laughs> thanks Fred. so wow. fucking sweet super godlike <clears throat> now this kind of running it can be absolutely detrimental to a child's health because their bodies are not made to run this much, especially for six-year-olds. And it's recommended that only people over the age of 16 run marathons. And he's out here with his goddamn six-year-old Mm-mm. running 26 miles on a Saturday. Their little tendons and ligaments and joints are still forming. It's a big it's, deal. Absolutely, just in my opinion, barbaric to make yeah. your kids do this. They weren't even being punished. This wasn't even a punishment. This was mm. just like, this it's is our way of life. I'm going to make you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I wasn't sure where to fit this into the story, but it really helps show uh, Fred's character. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. So Fred decided he would go to the YMCA and he would run the track at the YMCA if you have never seen one of these tracks. It's like indoor tracks. And so the inside um, lane has like a little wall, right? Well, Mm -hmm. when he went to run it one day with one of his sons, there was a man there that was running as well on the inside track. Now this poor man was blind and he was running on the inside lane because he could use his little like cane thing to touch the inside wall so he could stay within his lane and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, this pissed Fred off because he was getting in his way. Oh, my God. So it made Fred so mad that every time he would run around, he would berate the blind man. And he, uh, oh, my God. He would say, 
uh, stay out of my way. If you don't stay out of my way, I'm going to beat your ass. He berated this poor man so much until the poor man was standing in the middle of the track, bawling. (gasps) Yeah, his son son said the man left and he never saw that man ever at the gym again. Oh, poor guy. That's not right. Now, in the middle of uh, his drug addiction, so I'm going to back up a little bit. It's kind of hard to like really go through timelines with this, all of this, because I'd be jumping back and forth with certain things. You're good. So yeah. I'm going to jump back. During his drug addiction was when he decided to get his law degree from Washburn University in 1964. Now oh, he a did have up lawyer. I love it. Right. That's Wonderful. very 60s. <laughs> it's very 60s. Um, he had trouble joining the state bar due to the fact that no judges would vouch for his good character. <laughs> That's that good shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By this point, Fred had filed numerous frivolous lawsuits over the years, and many of the judges had just thrown many of these cases out. This, with his reputation outside of the courtroom, made judges not want to sign off and let him take the bar. The, the bar. Now, he did end up getting character references uh, from other witnesses. I don't fucking know who these people are. Probably some pastor who also it's beats the his wife. five people that followed him from the one church to the other. <laughs> and stayed after he murdered the dog. <laughs> it's those people. Uh, eventually, he was allowed to take the bar, and he did pass. After he passed, he founded the Phelps Charter Law Firm. Now, um... <laughs> In the beginning, the Phelps, or Fred was a advocate for civil rights, and he won many large cases for people of color, specifically going after, like, the Jim Crow laws. Whoa. I know. Lola has a, like, what the fuck? Whoa. Just wait. Okay. Just wait. Just wait. Now, uh, Shirley Phelps Roper, one of his kids, said that at one time, their law firm made up one-third of the entire state's federal docket of civil rights cases. Shit. Now, I know that sounds wonderful, and you want to be like, okay, well, like, at least you got that right. Just wait. Okay. Now, on the surface, like I said, this looks great. <laughs> and that, like, oh my gosh, he cares for the Black population. But his son said, <laughs> no, he was actually like, his father was a fucking full-blown racist. Um, and he would say racist slurs about his black clients after they left his office. He would talk about how stupid they were and even called them dumb. Insert N-word here. Oh my God. hmm No. Yeah. No, no. Now, this claim is denied by Shirley and other other of, hmm. of the kids. But Nate even states that his father took civil rights cases for money instead of his passion to fight for civil rights. Now, there is a case that gives Nate's claims some credit. So one of Fred's more well-known civil rights cases was when he sued Topeka's school board on the basis of discrimination because they hadn't properly integrated their schools, which made his client have an inferior inferior education. I think this was probably in the like late 60s. So desegregation, like I said, like Brown versus Board of Education, I think was like 1954. It still took a long time to like properly, properly integrate schools. And so he filed this lawsuit. Now, uh, the school board settled the case without admitting any wrongdoing, and they won $19,500, which Fred Phelps took 12400 of that. Whoa. Only leaving... Okay. Like, what was that? Five? Like, 5000 
6,000, a little over 6,000 or so dollars to the, to the person he was filing the lawsuit for. Oh my God. And now this was sealed, like the settlement was sealed, but it ended up leaking out. And most experienced civil rights attorneys will charge around 40%. And so you don't pay anything. They just get 40% of like the settlement. Mm. And Fred taking $12,400 of a $19,500 settlement meant he was charging about 64%. So crooked. Yeah. I think he saw the civil rights movement as a money ticket and he just fucking jumped on it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've never known. I know that like greed is a huge thing, especially like in conservative Christian circles. I've never known someone to stoop that low. Mm. Super low. A new low. Congratulations. The bar. <laughs> The bar. <laughs> God, there was no bar. I'm just saying. This man has no bar. <laughs> As Fred's kids got older, many of them became lawyers themselves and worked at the family law firm. So it was like, it was a family affair. Now, allegedly, okay. Fred would file, again, tons of these frivolous lawsuits in hopes that the other party would just settle out of court to avoid the cost of, you know, hiring a defense attorney and like, your defense costs are astronomical. So he would file these in hopes to just like get the other party to settle, make some quick money. This was like his game. This motherfucker even tried to sue President Ronald fucking Reagan. <laughs> he, I mean, he was... <laughs> shoot high, man. <laughs> I know, right? Like, you know, I'm not a fan of him, but like, okay, go for it. Uh, he was trying to sue him for appointing a U.S. ambassador to the Vatican, saying it violated the separation of church and state. The U.S. District Court dismissed the case. <sighs> they were like, oh, really? uh, yeah. you can just <laughs> fuck all the way off. In 1969, Fred was suspended from practicing as a lawyer for two years because of professional misconduct. Fred was found to cheat and take advantage of his clients. This was when Fred got more aggressive in church as well, claiming mm. that they were being attacked and persecuted. Where have we heard that one before, kids? <laughs> now, yeah. during Fred's time strung out on drugs, beating his wife and kids, and pastoring the Westboro Baptist Church, Fred decided to run for the Democratic nomination for the Kansas House 45th District. Uh, he said, quote, as a Democrat, I am liberal in my thinking, but conservative in spending the people's money. He didn't win, thank God. But a few years later, he tried to run for the DA. This is such a mind fuck. Like this whole thing feels like he's still on drugs. Oh, I think he's is still on drugs. Is this the time drugs. where he is? This is, yeah, I think okay, he's still cool. on drugs. So it's, it tracks. Okay, yep. okay. It tracks, yep. He huh. didn't stop his drugs until 19... Actually... 68, right? Yeah, 68. So... We'll just say the drugs are still in his system for another five years. <clears throat> yeah, we'll go with that. It killed a couple of his squiggles. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So... He he did not win, right? But then a few years later, he decided to run for the DA of his county, but was unqualified because he didn't have enough years of experience since he had been suspended for two years. Now, huh, thank the heavens, because can you imagine Fred Phelps being your defense attorney? I'm I'm okay. No, thank I'm you. I'm okay. 
I'm going to pass. I would rather slide down a slide full of razor blades and land in a pool of alcohol. Just saying. A lovely depiction. I, I know. Like, it's accurate, though. Like, for me, it's accurate. I don't know where I heard that, but I thought it was very, uh, um, just very poignant. Mm-hmm. Gets your point across. Now, when Fred was suspended from practicing law for those two years, uh, money became very problematic for the Phelps family. And so Fred had the great idea, since he had been a salesman back in the day, he decided that he was going to sell candy door to door. In the beginning, the kids joined in and they actually enjoyed and were able to work on commission. But then soon, Fred made the kids hand over all the money, just all of it. Now the kids were afraid of being beaten. It's a toxic household. So of course, they're just going to hand over the money to Fred. And then it didn't take long before Fred was implementing quotas that the children had to meet. And so while the kids are out here selling fucking candy after school and having these quotas to meet, they're terrified if they're not going to meet their quotas because they don't want to get beaten. And so they would literally steal money out of like old people's purses. (gasps) Did he create corporate America? Because that's kind of what this sounds like. Right, right. They even, one of the kids was like, I mean, sticky fingers, like he was really good at stealing the money. And he even stole money from like a local source cash register. <laughs> and they oh. caught them, but they the the, the law enforcement and, and the shop owners kind of knew about what was going on. And so they didn't oh. press charges because they didn't want the kids to get in trouble and get beaten at home. Which, Damn. like, thank, thank you. Yeah. Like some grace. Such a telling thing, though, that this family is so popular for all the wrong reasons. All yeah. the wrong reasons. And it just gets worse as time goes on. Like, we aren't even to the protest yet. Like, yeah, we, get, have not yet. we have not even gotten going. there. Keep yeah, going. I need to know. They're awful. So during this time of them selling candy and running marathons and shit, this is what their schedule was like. They Kids uh, would wake up, go to school, get picked up from school at about 3 p.m., They'd be forced to sell candy until 8 p.m. at night. Then they huh. would go home only only to be taken to the track by their dad and forced to run 10 miles. Then they would come home and be home around 10 p.m. And then they'd have to do homework or chores till about 1 a.m. And then repeat the cycle. They're probably waking up six. This is more than a full-time job. Also, children need like 10 hours of sleep. I don't even think the military has such a strict schedule. No, that would be correct. This is awful. Yeah, I think even in that time, they didn't have something that strict. Wow. Well, the law the lawsuits came back to bite Fred in the ass because in 1972, Fred and the WBC were sued by two candy companies because Fred failed to pay for the candy the Phelps kids resold. That's rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> right. The yeah. church was ordered to pay a reported $5,760 in one case, and then it settled for $1,650 in the other. <laughs> <laughs> On November 8th, 1977, the state filed a complaint against Fred for misconduct and was seeking for him to be disbarred. Fred had sued a lady named Caroline Brady uh, because she he, he had asked her for a transcript, and she didn't get it to him until the next day. So he sued her. Uh, what? I got nothing. What? 
Uh, right? Right? In worse, worse, in court, Fred called her to the stand as a hostile witness and cross-examined her for days berating her about her character and even brought up her fucking sex life and how horrible of a person she was. I'm pretty sure he called her a whore literally on the stand. This poor, poor woman, she sat there in tears while Fred just tore her to pieces. I think the case, because of this, like, I think the case ended up getting thrown out. And then Fred decided that he was going to seek a new trial. And he claimed he had eight witnesses with signed affidavits from her ex-boyfriends. But in reality, all of those affidavits that he said he had were all fraudulent. And he, they even had, like, their her ex-boyfriends being like, no, we did not sign that. We did not where she was not like this. Those are false, fraudulent affidavits. So because of this, Fred was disbarred at the state level and suspended from the federal court till 1983. So now he cannot practice law in the state of Kansas, but he can still practice federal court after 1983. It was almost sweet victory. (sighs) Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We do get a little bit of sweet victory. Just, Just wait. Oh, okay. Now, in when 1985. Okay. <laughs> uh, he, well, 2014. So there's a lot that happens me? between. I know. He had a long life and he <sighs> caused a lot of shit. It's bad. Okay. Yeah. In 1985, nine federal judges signed a disciplinary um, complaint against the Phelps uh, and five of his children, or Fred Phelps and five of his children and a daughter-in-law saying that they had made false accusations against the judges. This was settled in 1989, so it took a long time because it was filed in 85 and then settled in 89. And Fred agreed to permanently stop practicing law even at the federal level as long as his family could continue. The only other discipline that was enacted was Fred's daughter, Margie, was suspended from federal and state court for one year, and his son, Fred Jr., was suspended from both as well, but for only six months. So uh, I don't know exactly. Um, They were probably harassing the judges and stuff because, wow. Now, after Fred is disbarred, he got a little bored because he didn't have anything to do. So he decided that every day he would fax almost 300 different faxes daily. He would send these to public officials, private officers, uh, private offices, and members of the media. These faxes... They included damaging and embarrassing information from the private lives of his opponents, like within politics and things like that. Even stating like false and outlandish shit. He called one city councilwoman a Jezebelian, switch-hitting whore who had sex with several men at once. You know, I'm not a proponent (laughs) for violence, but I just remember the kneecapping that was going to happen that Angela paid for on The Office. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder. <laughs> Could we catch that in man. here? <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised that, like, he was not, like, he was so hateful. I'm surprised that he was not severely, severely injured over the years through what he does next and, like, all the protests. I, I'm literally shocked because he's just so hateful. The fact that, I mean, I'm sorry, was he assassinated? Or did he, like, die peacefully no, or not. something? He he. He died of old age, like normally. Okay, because mm-hmm. well, he it, it gets odd. a little. He gets it. He gets a little bit coming to him at the end, and it's it's kind of fucked up. But 
for him, it's like, oh, that's okay. I find it weird that no one attempted to assassinate this person. I I am too, honestly, because he's so hateful. I was like, you count your blessings, dude, because wow, he dodged a bullet, literally. Literally. Um, Since 1951, Fred has been arrested repeatedly for assault, battery, threats, trespassing, disorderly conduct, contempt of court, and more. He has been convicted four times as well as disbarred, but has avoided prison. How? Okay. What? I don't fucking know. Overcrowding, I guess. I don't know. So crazy. Now, let's talk about the protesting. Now, Fred was disbarred in 1989, okay? So he has nothing to do. So, the Lord, uh, the, I'm sorry, the year of our Lord and Savior, <laughs> the, the T-Swizzle. The T-Swizzle yes. was born. Uh, Fred was really getting going that year. Now, Fred took his grandson one day um, in 1989 to a on a bike ride, and they went around a, a park called Gage Park. Now, normally, Fred would ride his bike ahead of his grandson and then circle back around to like come back to him. So he'd go ahead and then come back. Now, one time when he did this, he circled back to find two men talking with his grandson, trying to lure him into the forest. I'm going to emphasize allegedly. Okay. Okay. Because I'm not I'm not really sure this happened. And now right. um, he ended up finding out because this like rubbed in the wrong way. He ended up finding out through some connections after they left the park that Gage Park was a local, quote, gay hookup place, is what they called it. Called it. Now, he he contacted the authorities of the city and found that they did know about the problem, and they said they were trying to clean it up, but the city did, and the city did do some, like, sting operations, and they arrested some very high-profile people. But after a couple years, Fred was like, "Um, you're not doing enough, and things need to get going. Um, And so he started his protests in 1991 and the first one was at this exact park, Gage Park. Now, in the beginning, this was like way tame compared to what they are today. Their signs okay. literally just said, gays in restrooms. That's what? All <laughs> That's all gays in restrooms? Like a warning or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Warning, gays in restrooms. Like, don't let your kids go in. It's so dumb. <sighs> Now, the group grew to protest outside any place that counter-protested them. They even protested outside the police station for not protecting them. And they protested outside city official buildings who weren't putting together, you know, enough to do, like, they weren't making enough happen to Mm. take care of this problem. And, like, the offices of people who he knew were doing anti-protests against their protests. Oh, my God. (laughs) yeah, I know, I know. Now, the group grew to pro- Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> now, co- counter-protesters got very angry and they would attack the WBC, which, like, I can understand. Now, their main focus at these protests, the WBCs, was, of course, homosexuality. If they were protesting something else, they are blaming it on America's like acceptance of homosexuality. So basically what they're saying is since America accepted homosexuality in our world and in our society, everything that's happening that's bad is because God is punishing us as a society. And they blamed like 9-11, hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, like any anything like that, mass shootings. Literally, they'd be like, 
God did it because you... Water's turning the frogs, yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, this is what they have to say about homosexuality. I'm going to say trigger warning because this is like super hateful. Okay. Quote, this is the only sin, homosexuality, to which governments, corporations, social groups, etc., make special concessions to in sanitizing and legitimizing sin. Imagine if embezzlers, murderers, or rapists demanded that they be given protection, not punishment, by law because of their wrongful deeds. Or imagine that any of these sinners got together and paraded down Main Street in a murderer's pride parade. Like, really? Where is the logic here? Right? You're comparing consensual love to murderers and rapists? And thieves? Or people just existing with like a different right. orientation than you or a different uh-huh. like preference than you? Like, uh-huh. you good, bro? <sighs> it's not that deep. Now, when people would point out like the contradictions in the Bible and be like, but it's okay to eat pork or it's not okay to eat yeah. pork. But you also, you know, the contradictions that a lot of people you know point out. They said, quote, if it's okay to eat pork, why isn't it okay to commit a, commit sodomy? Question mark. We've answered this above, but we should point out that the above statement makes about as much sense as quote. If it's okay to eat pork, why isn't it okay to murder? I love taking things out of context. I love that for them. Yeah, I mean, look, they do it all the time, just like many. It's people. the remix version of the Bible. Okay. Now, here's where we're going to get into some anti-Semitism. They even (sighs) go as far as to compare homosexuality, the homosexuality agenda, to Nazism. It's that. Yeah. I'll read from from their website. Quote, our experience and empirical evidence shows that the homosexual community most closely exhibits the characteristics of Nazism. Are you fucking kidding me? Is that their, like, mission statement? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is under their frequently asked questions tab oh, on their website. The fact. Yeah. The fact page. Okay. The fact page. It's on their fact page. Mm-hmm. Oh. Through their militant agenda and propaganda, they want to force everyone by law to support their filth. And they want to shut anyone up by law when they hate a voice of opposition to their sin. They would be perfectly happy to make it a crime to preach that God hates fags under the guise of hate speech legislation. Because it is. Uh, Likewise, baby killers, abortionists, and their supporters support the genocide of millions of babies and then act indignant that Hitler killed millions of Jews. Baby killers are responsible for more murder and bloodshed than Hitler and his Nazi party ever dreamed. Yeah. it's like, okay, you know that guy, that meme of that guy that's like pointing at a board with a bunch of like things, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like a map and yeah. there's like yarn all around it with yes. like different tacks trying to like make sense of something. This is what that yes. sounds like. Like yep. them trying mm-hmm. to connect these dots that do not connect, you know, it's like that and a crazed look on their face. Oh, but it's clear. It's clear. Okay. Now, let's get into the WBC's like theological beliefs and stuff. So they call themselves uh, primitive Baptists. Now, from what I could gather, there are Calvinists within their belief system. If you don't know what Calvinists are, they have five points of beliefs. Now, the first one is total depravity, which is original sin. We are all enslaved to our sin. You're um, a bad person. Election. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Exactly. Election. Only the predestined elect group will receive salvation and mercy from God while he withholds that same mercy for everyone else. So they're like, God has pre-elected his Some of you go to hell, some go to heaven. You don't know who, but he does. That's it. Exactly. Limited atonement, meaning only the elect receive atonement from their sins, not everybody. Uh, Jesus only died for the elect. You had to have that VIP card, baby. Now, irresistible. I did too. I think mine got burnt. Um, Irresistible grace. The elect can't escape God's grace and calling in their life. So they're basically saying, if you have you're no choice elect, but to be selected. You, yeah, if you have, if you are one of the elect, there is no way that you wouldn't be saved. Like something would happen in your life, you would be saved, and you would come to Christ. Like it just, it would happen. Perseverance of the saints. Uh, this is that you won't lose your salvation because you were one of the elect. And so they kind of get around some of these beliefs because they'd be like. If you sinned, then you weren't really ever one of the elect. And so, sorry, not sorry. Like we thought you were, but you're not because you sinned. Now, they also believe... It's rooted in a lot of really toxic beliefs. That's what Calvinism is. Yeah, it's a lot. Honestly, I don't think any of these are um, healthy. (laughs) If this is primal, I'm worried. Yes, yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Uh, they also believe that their church is preaching the one true message of God in the Bible. I roll. Uh, women aren't <laughs> allowed to preach. Not shocked. Females are required to wear head coverings when they are in church and within prayer. Women are not allowed to argue with their husbands because it hinders prayer. Uh, women aren't allowed to cut or dye their hair. They don't celebrate any holidays at all, not even Christmas. They're all pagan so like, no, thank you. Uh, there's no dating allowed. So like purity culture to the extreme. If you don't want to be within a congregation, they question if you're even saved. <laughs> like, wow, okay. Uh, you're not allowed to talk to defectors. So talking to someone who um, has left the church, they say that if you so talk one of to us. someone who is, mm-hmm, exactly, uh, someone who is, if talking to someone who's evil, it makes you evil. Um, you have to tell on someone if they do something wrong. If you don't, then you're the one that's sinning. If you get baptized, but then mess up, then you're no longer part of God's elect. And even worse, your spot in hell is the hottest spot. Yummy. Right? Red eggs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe God makes bad things happen because he's punishing us as a society for accepting homosexuality. So just by like, I'm sure they have other beliefs, but those are like some of the big ones. Now, if you just go off those beliefs, like, I mean, they check almost, if not all of the boxes for a cult because they're highly controlling. They're controlling what women wear, no dating, what you do. They also like couldn't listen to like secular music and things like that. Uh, no secular movies. There was like high control. When a member would leave the group, they would tell you you can't talk to them. So they're controlling who you can and can't talk talk to. So they're like distancing you from other people. Um, and they're like, we have the one true message. <laughs> you can't find it anywhere else. So like, I mean, guys, it it's checking all the box for boxes for a cult. Now, they rejoice. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of like why they protest and like what their meaning is behind some of this stuff. 
Now, they rejoice over tragedies because the Bible says that we're supposed to be thankful for everything that God does, and that includes tragedy. So like, praise God for 9-11. They would literally say that. Not even kidding. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They even, I think they even have signs that say, thank God for 9-11. Oh, uh, that they shit. use it for just, mm-hmm. They quote the scripture um, that, God hates all workers of iniquity. So they say that we will tell all workers of iniquity that God hates them because we're just telling them what the Bible says. So like, oh, okay. They they don't see their hateful speech as hate, but as love because the Bible says it's the most sincere form of love is correction and rebuction. Great. Re- re- I'd love to see where that is. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's love. It's not. It's 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 not hate. It's love. Truth is love. Um, they picket fallen soldiers' funerals because they say that when a nation rises in pride against God, one of the ways that God punishes that nation is by killing that nation's men of war. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now Fred even <laughs> goes further, and he says, "Quote: Military funerals are pagan orgies of idolatry." idolatric blasphemy where they pray to the dunghill gods of Sodom and play taps to a fallen fool. End Y'all quote. ain't never been pagan. Don't even. Y'all don't <laughs> right? object shit. <laughs> now, they don't consider what they do as judgment, but instead they see it as preaching. You know, like, we're not judging. We're just preaching the true word. It's not hate. Oh, okay. It's, love. it's not judgment. It's just preaching. Uh, you might see on one of their signs, they usually will like put the flag upside down. And a lot of times if the flag is put upside down, it just means that the country is in distress, which that's pretty normal. And they do it within their protests because they say that because we have accepted homosexuality, our entire country is in distress because our society fucked up in their eyes. Uh, they continue to picket funerals, especially fallen soldier funerals, school shootings, mass shootings, natural disasters, acts of terrorism. Like they just, they'll picket and spew their shit all over everywhere. Uh, they'll even like picket at like Christian events because remember, there's just the one true message that they're going to picket to tell you you're wrong and you don't know how to read your Bible. Now, I cannot tell you the story of the WBC without telling you Lauren's story. Now, uh, Lauren was the daughter of a man named Steve Drain. Steve grew up as an atheist and he hated religion. He regularly made fun of organized religion and he actually was very combative with people who tried to witness to him. His Hmm. wife, Lucy, was Catholic, who, despite being married to Steve, um, she held on to her faith. Unfortunately, Steve wasn't the nicest man to be around. Um, He was Mm. very controlling and combative to his wife and his kids. Now, they lived in Tampa, Florida, but ended up moving to Kansas so Steve could go to school to get his master's degree. One day, a man knocked on their door to witness to them. Steve invited him in so that they could, you know, he could argue with them and be a little combative, but eventually the man like actually kind of got to him. So Steve invited the guy over multiple times until one day he was like actually converted and became a believer and became more and more conservative. Now, oh shit. After after a while this man and him started to kind of have a falling out cuz they disagreed in in theology and then Stephen or Steve went the opposite direction. He just like threw out religion altogether. 
Now, around the same time, he wanted to make a film. I think he was in like some kind of school and he wanted to make a film, but he wanted to to like catch people's attention. And so he decided that it was going to be over like a really controversial topic and he chose the WBC. So he went to Kansas to film, but when he got back home, his family knew that he had changed. As he was there, he actually started to get sympathy for the church and their members and oh even th- even their views. Soon, Steve was asking for guidance from Shirley Phelps Roper, which is one of the main children. The daughter, like, yeah. The prominent role. Mm-hmm. Now, he would ask for advice in raising his daughter, specifically Lauren, the older one. She was a teenager, so she was like super interested in boys. And Shirley advised him to rein her in and that it was his job as the head of the household and that it wasn't being mean. It was all to save her soul. So with this guidance, Steve got very strict with his kids and he just, I mean, uh, what is it? Put the hammer down. Like he was very strict. And then after finding some notes that Lauren had written to another teenage boy in her class, he got super pissed. He berated her. He called her a slut and a whore and he even beat her. And then he took her out of public school and wouldn't even let her see her friends. The only people that she could talk to were Megan Phelps Roper, which was Shirley's daughter, and then a few of the other girls that were from the WBC. And they were only communicating as pen pals because she lived in Tampa, Florida, and they were in Kansas. So That's horrible. mm -hmm. Rob her of her childhood and her teenage years to like flirt and learn and like come to terms with herself and romance. I hate that. Unfortunately, um, it gets worse for her. Over the next few years, Shirley got more and more, uh, or not Shirley, Steve got more and more wrapped up within the WBC, was constantly calling Shirley, getting advice and like implementing more rules, becoming more religious. And Lauren didn't have access to her friends. She only had access to the WBC girls. And so she was getting more involved and she was trying to get her father's approval and his, his just like, he, she wanted him to be a, proud of her. And so she was getting into it. And She's a kid, you know, so of course she's going to. Now, after a few years... I'm nervous where this is going. mm -hmm. After a few years, a house came available on the Phelps compound. Yes, you heard that right. Compound? It is a fucking compound. Because they bought, they had the church, the WBC church. And then over the years, as houses started to become available for sale, they just fucking bought them all up until they owned the whole block. Great. (laughs) Right? So a house came available and so they offered the drains to come and rent the house and Steve was like, fuck yeah. So he uprooted his whole family and came down to Kansas and rented this house and joined the church and like, I mean, jumped in full force, like both feet, head, everything all the way in. Now, he did also like work on his documentary continued to work on this documentary, but since he was being sympathetic towards the WBC, um, it came out as, like, he kept the first name of the the documentary. It was called Hate Mongers, but then the, like, subtitle of it was The Real Story of the WBC. If you are curious, last time I checked this documentary, it's a 12-parter, and it's up on their website. 
it is not good. Um, so like you don't have to watch, watch it. it if you want to, but like you don't have to. I would. It's fine. <laughs> it was pretty dumb. The family, of course, quickly integrated to the WBC um, life and they joined multiple pickets very quickly. Uh, Shirley became an even bigger mentor to Stephen. She was, she, Shirley was like one of the main integral parts of the WBC and she had like the biggest house, the nicest cars, and her family was devout. Like she was kind of like pretty high up there on the, on, in the hierarchy, I guess you could say. Interesting. Now, yeah. Now, the WBC so did woman. allow their members, well, yeah, but she was Fred's daughter. So, like. Yeah, yeah. She, but also, it's like 90%, like, just Fred's family. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the WBC did allow their members to ask questions. Um, but if the questions started to become combative or divisive, you would get reprimanded. Now, in the beginning, of course, Steve was allowed to ask questions, which who wouldn't? He's coming into this church. He hasn't been a religious person for very long. So, of course, he's going to have questions. But because of Steve's nature and being very combative, the questions very quickly became combative in nature. And he quickly was like, constantly being reprimanded by Shirley. Like, even one time she was like, you need to stay home and read your Bible. (laughs) Uh, He quickly tried to like just get in line because he realized that if he could get in line with the more prominent leaders, he knew that it it would keep him from being humiliated and it would just make life easier because they were very, you know, awful at humiliating you if you stepped at the line or if you sinned or you did something they didn't agree with. In the WBC, all leaders and adults were allowed to correct the children, even if they weren't their own. But Shirley, being the most prominent leader, was seen constantly correcting and reprimanding all the kids, not just her own. Now, one time Steve started to reprimand one of Shirley's children, but Shirley turned around and blasted Steve in a, like, full-on email that went out to the entire church and saying Damn. that Steve was trying to overstep his authority. She even went so far as to say that, like, her kids would never act in such a way that would require reprimanding like that. Because <laughs> mm. she probably made okay. him run 10 miles a day. She was that mom that, like, if her kids got a bad grade in school, like, she was up at the school in their faces, like, demanding oh, they change the grade. She was very much, like... Uh, like the apple don't fall far from the tree. Like she was just the like her first daddy. Karens. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Now there are also like very drastic different standards within the WC, WBC when it came to the Phelps kids and their children and, and families like as a whole. They were given chance after chance if they messed up. They weren't given as extreme consequences and so on. There was just a very like double standard with them. And when a Phelps member left one time, uh, they like left the church. They were considered a defective or defected. Um, Steve went out and he convinced the person to come back. Like he worked at getting that person to come back to the church and that person was allowed to come back to the church. Important to remember that part. Uh, In 2006, the WBC was sued by a father of a fallen soldier for causing emotional distress due to their picketing at his son's funeral. In October of 2007, the next year, the jury ruled against the church in the Snyder versus Phelps case and awarded them $10.9 million. And the judge ended up lowering it to $5 million. So still $5 million is a lot. But in 2011... 
on an appeals case, the court ruled that the Phelps and his followers weren't, quote, speaking on matters of public concern on public property and thus were entitled to protection under the First Amendment since most of their signs were speaking on matters of a general topic. They weren't specifically targeting the Snyder family specifically. Oh, my God. The case was overruled and they didn't have to pay the money anymore. It was, yeah, it was like so stupid. That's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, during this time before the court overruled the original ruling, the church and its members were stressed the fuck out because, like, they're going to have to pay $5 million. I'm like, they ain't got $5 million. Um, the thought of paying this was just absolutely overwhelming. And due to this stress, they became more strict on their members that fe- they felt were, like, falling out of line. For example, Lauren, Steve's daughter, was talking with a guy who had emailed the church asking questions. And over time, Lauren began flirting with him through email. But it wasn't just Lauren who was talking to this boy. Libby, another member, was also talking with him. But when this all was brought to light, they gave Libby grace, but then (gasps) chastised Lauren in a meeting (sighs) with many members of the church. The members took turns calling Lauren a stupid bitch, a whore, saying things like, I feel bad for your parents to have a daughter like you. I, oh. In this meeting, Steve, her own father even said, quote, there's no hope. Uh, I'm done with her, end quote. Shirley even stepped in and gave Lauren a second chance. Lauren agreed that all communication with this boy would stop and she would cut him off and there'd be no more. Like she was like, I will fall in line. But after a few weeks, a few weeks, a few weeks, the boy ended up somehow getting a hold of Lauren and convinced her to talk to him again. In and love. she caved. I know, like you're a teenager. Like it's like of I'm course you could fucking this. talk to him. I, I ship it. I love it. Let's do it. I love mm-hmm. it. On December 14th, 2007, Lauren was at work when she noticed a voicemail on her phone from her best friend, JL, who was also, you know, of course, in WBC. The voicemail was full of JL saying how disappointed and ashamed of Lauren she was. She told Lauren that she shit on people and their good name, told her to stay away from her and all the members of the church and that no one wanted anything to do with her. When Lauren got home that night, her father, Steve, informed her that she had been kicked out of the church And she was told to go and pack her stuff and leave. Her parents wouldn't even let her touch them, hug them to say goodbye. That's disgusting. Right. When she left, she was sent to a hotel um, to stay a few nights. I don't really know how she got there. But the next day, she called her father and tried to apologize and like hoped that he would like let her back in. But they refused he even dropped her car off at the hotel that she was at and left her keys and a note at the front desk. This note told her to not contact them or come over, even in a life or death situation. Are you kidding me? Now remember, he, this motherfucker went out and when a Phelps kid left the ministry, left the cult, what the mm-hmm. fuck ever you want to call it, He was out there convincing them to come back. And now his own daughter is being kicked out and he's like, I wash my hands of you. Peace out. I don't know you. That's just... You are a piece of shit. Uh, I've never hated anything more than this. mm -hmm. 
Now, the boy Lauren had been talking to through email came to visit and comfort her after being kicked out. And while Mm -hmm. he was visiting her, uh, one of her family members asked her to come and pick up some of her stuff. So she arrived with him sitting in the front seat and piles of her belongings just in the driveway. While she was picking up her stuff, her father got home and started yelling at her, just absolutely yelling. You picked this piece of shit over me. He called her a slut, a whore, and just kept cussing her out. I'm pretty sure that like the boy ended up like stepping in like, what the fuck? Like trying to like wow, diffuse it or be like, how the fuck dare you to call, talk to her like that? Yeah. This was heartbreaking. Her mom even chimed in and uh, told her that she was lost and stated that she would never come back and ended it with, quote, I don't love you anymore, end quote. You know, it's that, it's that, um, I'm really feeling the unconditional love of Christ in this moment. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If your religion is making you go to this extremes to cut off your kid, like, fuck your religion. Fuck you. Like, yeah. Fuck you, fuck your religion, mm-hmm. fuck your God. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. go sit on a cactus. Absolutely. You can kiss a jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Idiot. <laughs> Ugh. Now, after she was kicked out, um, she was still working at the same place that JL was and her, who was her best friend. And mm-hmm. JL took this opportunity to torture Lauren. She would say things to Lauren to make it clear how unwanted she was by all the members of the WBC and her family as well. She would even make comments about seeing Lauren's little brother and sister like just basically trying to cause Lauren more pain. Like, I saw your brother and sister at this and oh that. Oh my God. And she didn't. This group talks about how they are loving and not a hate group, but then they're like literally out here torturing Lauren's poor soul. Petty ass as motherfuckers. Being, yeah, petty as shit and not in a good way. Like we, I love me some petty. This is just cruel. One of the group's biggest priorities was to make sure that the group members that defected stayed away from current members of the WBC. And Lauren's sister worked at the Dairy Queen that was like right by her apartment. Now, Mm -hmm. Lauren didn't want to get her sister in trouble, so she did not go when her sister was working. But she did go a couple times to get some food, but only when her sister was not on shift working at the DQ. But after she went a couple times, she got a call from Shirley, and Shirley told her that that was her sister's workplace and that Lauren was no longer allowed to step foot in it. Excuse me, ma'am. This is a public property. Uh, You could take your opinion and shove it right up your ass. Now, I I do have good news, though. Actually, before I get to the good news. So another thing that I I remember, I don't have this in my notes, but I remember I followed Lauren on social media for years. And I remember every, for a couple of years, she would take gifts, because I don't think she lives in Kansas anymore, but she would take gifts and like leave them at the door or she would draw in chalk like on the sidewalk outside the family's home for like trying to get messages to her siblings and stuff. And oh. then she'd go back by and like the chalk would be washed off. Um, the, the I don't know if the gifts were like returned or thrown in the trash, but like her, her brothers and sisters never got it. And it was just oh my so God. devastating. Yeah, but... Now to the good news. Lauren is doing amazing after leaving. She's written a book called Banished. That was the name. That's the name of her book, Banished. It is 
Very yes. good. I've read hers and Megan's. They're both very, very good books. And they have very different perspectives. Yes. And they're they're just wonderful. Um, and I'm pretty sure both of them, if you get them on Audible, they are read by the authors. And so very, very good. Ah. She's doing wonderful. I've followed her on um, social media for a long time. She is a registered nurse, uh, but she doesn't do nursing anymore. She ended up getting into like fitness and stuff. And cool. uh, is, I mean, hot. She's she very said, fucking hot. Like, <laughs> she's very hot. She's very buff and just, she's, yeah. Um, she does the fitness stuff. She also, I think like a year or so ago, ended up doing, opening um, an OnlyFans account because she always had like, you can yes. see if you go look at her page, which we'll, com- we'll tag her below. But she's very borderline community guidelines violation outfits. <laughs> we'll just put it that way yes. on Instagram. Go so off, she queen. Ended up, I think, I think she just posts like spicy pictures and stuff. Um, I love it. She's, she's very good. She's happily married um, and she has a baby. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I really like following her. So happy. Mm-hmm. And we'll link all her stuff in the show notes. But yeah, so uh, not much left. Uh, but uh, Steve, Lauren's dad, was very ambitious and self-centered uh, man. So over the next few years, he grew in to gain more and more control and leadership positions within the church. After a few years, Steve got a lot of the congregation to actually turn on Shirley, the most prominent leader in the WBC. Oh, shit. Yeah, they no. fucking turned on her. They chastised the her for being too tabled. harsh. They did. And it, a lot of it's detailed in Megan's book. So go read it. Wow. Um, Spill the tea, girl. Yeah. They chastised her for being too harsh and mean and having an unchristlike spirit. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what? The tea girl said, what? You, you, what? I just can't. Mm. She lost many of her positions. Most importantly, her position to organize the pickets. This crushed <laughs> her spirits. But because of how indoctrinated she was, she didn't fight back. Neither did Fred. Her own father did not fight back for her. She just like submitted Whoa. to the to the chastisation, to the reprimands, like all of it. Um, as Steve gained more and more power in the church, the leadership started to change. In the beginning, the church made decisions and all members were given a vote. But then when Steve took over, he changed it to where now the elders make all the decisions, no matter what the church members want or think. So mm, it's okay. select few get to make all the decisions. Um, around this time, the church even started faking pickets. <laughs> they took pictures from the from the royal wedding in England and photoshopped themselves into the pictures and posted them to Twitter, lying about their presence at the royal wedding. Who gave y'all access to Photoshop? Kidding me? I know, right? That should be illegal. Come on. Um, the Equality House in 2012, um, a group called Planting Peace bought the house across the street from the WBC. And in 2013, they painted in the colors of the rainbow and called it Hell the Equality yeah. House. It was a bold stand for the LGBTQIA rights. Hell yeah. Now, let's talk about Fred Phelps' death. Please. Around 2013, uh, Fred Phelps himself was voted out of the church. Yes! (laughs) Because he had walked outside towards the Equality House um, across the street and told the people, quote, you are good people. Oh. What? Right. Fred. Uh, Didn't see that coming, right? 
members of wow. the church came rushing outside and ushered him back inside. Um, that day he was voted out, like, you're out. The church claims Fred was in his right mind. Um, he was like all there yeah, he when was. he did this. Other members ended all contact with Fred. And as his health declined, one of his daughters was instructed to care for him. He was put into a professional care, but kept it on the down low. They didn't want the news of Fred's illness to get out. He had dementia, so he was, you know, losing it. You know, he wasn't all there. So I'm like, dementia's pretty slow growing. So like, if it's 2013 when he went out there, like... He, he, mm, I don't know if he truly had a change of heart or if it was his dementia. And honestly, we'll never know because he's, he's dead now. Um, he, oh, hold on. Oh, also, one of their beliefs was that when something bad happens to you, including an illness, it's because God is punishing you because you disobeyed or sinned. So they saw that Fred getting dementia was God punishing him for going across the street and saying this and that they didn't believe that Fred was one of God's elect. Literally their founder, their fucking founder is like, oh, nope, you're burning in hell. Sorry. Science. Go to this. Medical science is a wonderful mm-hmm. thing. It really friend. is. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> in the last few months, it was found out that before Fred was, you know, kicked out, he, it was noted that he was getting frustrated with the congregation and he was really trying to help them become more loving because he saw how just hateful and rude they were. Yeah. Um, And he was trying to change that, but it was kind of like, well, too little, too late, buddy. Yeah. You're an old man and everybody else is in charge. Yeah. Uh, Fred died March 19th, 2014 with no funeral because the church didn't believe in worshiping the dead. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now, it it did come out that Steve Drain was kicked out of the church in 2021. Uh, Apparently, there isn't much information online, but from what speculation is out there, it's believed that he was upset that the pandemic kept them from picketing, and he was ranting and raving about it, and somehow this got him kicked out. Not really sure. That is all speculation online, allegedly, so take that with a grain of salt. I know the truth. You know the truth? What's the truth? He's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. The WBC is classified as a hate group, which, of course, they deny. Uh, They are not a hate group. They're a love group. Uh, They argue that they are a group that spreads love through truth. It's not their hate. It's God's. It's God's. (laughs) And them spreading the truth, that's love. Oh, nice. That's like... That's like a husband beating his wife and telling her, I have to do this because I love you. Now like, have sex no. with me. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. Now, we did talk about earlier that four out of the 13 Phelps kids left the church. And then the, those that remained are like denying the abuse that they endured as a child and all of that. Now, there is research that indicates that three out of four children in criminally abusive families will be unable to surmount their experiences. As adults, they will rationalize their past and will accept abusive behavior as the norm in both the outside world and their personal lives, which that absolutely tracks for all Mm -hmm. of them because they're accepting it within their personal lives and their family and their childhoods 
as well as their religious and spiritual like church lives as well. Yeah, it's a lot to grapple with. Yeah, and I got that quote from uh, Addicted to Hate book. Heard. yeah, so that's that's it. Uh, we will link Megan Phelps Roper's book, Unfollow, and Lauren Drain's book, Banish, below if you want to give them a read. Yes, I will give a caveat that I understand Megan Phelps Roper did do the podcast with J.K. Rowling called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. No, I have not listened to it. I have heard good and bad things about it. Um, it's supposed to be like unbiased. Um, I haven't listened to it. So I don't know, take that with a grain of salt, but I I can still hold the fact that Megan's experiences within the WBC and telling her story is valid, even though we may disagree or we may have issues with her doing this, you know, podcast with JK Rowling, um, even though I, I will say I've not listened to it and I'm not sure I will, but her book is still good and I I... Credit where credit is due. Exactly. Two things can be true at one time. Listen to that. So, yeah. Love that. No. Thank Mm -hmm. you for the history. That, that, yeah, that is that, like I did, when I tell you I did a deep dive in my research for the WBC. uh, Yeah. I, uh, my links that. And they're still alive and well, right? Yeah, so they're still up and going. I checked their website yeah. today. They had a sermon posted last week. They've got pickets scheduled on their docket. Um, it doesn't seem to be that they're as active with their pickets. They're picking on a lot of football games and some universities and things like that. I can't remember what else I saw, but yeah, they're they're still active. I don't know who the pastor is, um, but yeah. This it's, is your cue to mm-hmm. protest right back, Adam. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it, they're absolutely awful. But yeah, that is the history of the Westboro Baptist Church. <clears throat> I mean, cult. cult. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> wow. No. What's your palate no cleanser? Because one... you told me to remind you of your palate cleanser. I did, I did. I will say nobody died today, minus the dog. Rest in peace, puppy. But like, that's a first for us, I think. <laughs> And I'll say our next <laughs> case coming up, there's no murder in it either. Hey. And then when so, I come at you, there is murder the next time. So yeah. I'm sorry. But that's we why gotta, you're here. So we gotta give like a, a holiday like kiss, you know? Like <laughs> it's still heavy, but it's not like yeah. You know, <laughs> it's still heavy, but it's like sometimes we have to just like, okay, I need a I need a palate cleanser murder. case that's not murder. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My palate cleanser today, I am making a whole bunch of um, crochet things for Christmas. And so oh my God, um, yes. I went to Michael's today to get all my yarn because fuck Hobby Lobby, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I they have the like buy one, get one half off. They also had all their Halloween stuff 70% off. So I like, oh, I had to yes. control myself. But when I went to go check out, they have like the tiny little carts at Michael's, right? And so mine's like overflowing with fucking yarn. Perfect. And I checked out. Everything was on sale and it was $175, which granted for the amount of gifts I'm making, like that's a pretty good price. But when I went to scan my card, the computer froze and they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And um, 
they were like trying to figure it out. It's taking forever, taking forever. And they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's fine. It happens. It's cool. And he's like, I checked the logs. It did not go through. So like your transaction did not go through. We just have to restart, reboot this system and take you to another register to check out. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Don't worry about it. So it went over and they felt so bad. One of the things, the Halloween decorations I got, he gave it to me for a dollar because it didn't have a tag on it. So he just gave it, and it was like one of these big signs. So I got it for a dollar. And then like near the end of the transaction, he had his like manager or something come over and they scanned like all these different coupons (gasps) and it took it down. My total was $135. I saved $40. That's great. I was like, that's the best thing ever. And so I calculated it up and I was like, I'm making 11 gifts so far with all of this yarn and I'm still going to have a lot left over. I was like, it takes it down to like $12 a person. And that yeah, that's the stuff I, <laughs> the of, I was so excited. And so then Excellent. I got home with all my yarn and Tyler goes, you need to make me a boob pillow. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and I started hysterically laughing. And I was like, well, if I make you one, I got to make two because then we'll just fight over it because I made something for my kid and I used that like uh, really like cozy yarn. Oh, yeah. This is so soft. (laughs) He's like, you should make me a Mm -hmm. boob pillow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was hilarious. That's the the one. All right. What is your palette cleanser? My curls are coming back to my hair. (gasps) They are? I, they one? are. I see it. Oh my god! So my hair is. I, I didn't know you it, had so curly like, hair. I I do, but I bleached it for a very long time, and my natural hair is finally like uh, back again. I I have very limited parts of my hair that still have hair color on them and lightener, but um. So with my natural hair coming back, my curls are coming back. So. I'm happy about that's, that. That's amazing. My I love curly hair. And I even Same. with not bleaching or dyeing my hair, I don't have curls. I, but I have like the medium hair. So like right in the middle, yeah. like it'll curl if I want it to and it'll straighten if I want it to, but I can't not do nice. nothing. Or I look like a hobo. Oh, so. that's, yeah, that's <laughs> annoying. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with short hair, I can't just like throw it up in a messy bun. <sighs> that, that looks real bad. Real bad. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> it's like this like alfalfa thing going on. It's not, yeah, you can't do that with my hair. Perfect. I love it. Uh, well, I guess that's it anyways, for us. today was, yeah, that's it. This, today was a little bit of a longer case, but you know, it's a lot of information and also well go read those books, though. but yeah, you are well educated. Everybody hears about this cult and it's, uh, sometimes you just don't know like where it all started. You you look at it and go, how did you get here? Holding a flag, saying God hates America, or you know, yeah. anti-Semit, sem, you know, anti-Semitic shit, things. and yeah. yeah, like how did you get here? So now you know. Now you know. Uh, there's still trash people, um, and the more you know, there's still hopefully of garbage ninja. <laughs> Hey, heathens, this is post-editing Lacey and Lola coming at you. We have an update for the WBC case. So while I was putting together the pictures for Instagram, goddamn, it took a lot to try to find a picture of all the Fred Phelps kids. I had to go down There's this. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. And some of them are not very public on social media. So I had to go sound some much of, like major rabbit holes. But what we do know is that he has reconnected with his daughter, 
Lauren Drain. And from what I can tell, the whole family is out of the WBC, not just Stephen or Steve. I keep calling him Stephen, Steve Drain. Um, so they have reconnected. I do not know much of the story. Um, how I found out was Lauren Drain actually host, not hosted, uh, launched a podcast this year called Triggered. And I listened to her very first episode, which is basically just like her summarizing um, her life and growing up in the cult and getting out and like what happened and like the trauma of it all. And in mm-hmm. it, she talks about that they have reconnected, but they were um, estranged for 15 years. And so I don't know if she goes into more detail within like upcoming episodes of her podcast, uh, because they just talk about like pretty heavy triggering topics and stuff like that within her show. It sounds very interesting if you're interested in it. Um, that episode specifically will be linked in the show notes so you guys can listen to it and kind of get like a really good rundown of her life and, you know, growing up in the WBC as a teen and and her leaving and how it happened. Uh, just so you know, the book is way more detailed and has way more information in it. And I still, even if you're going to listen to that episode, please go buy her book. Like it is, it's just a really good book. I really enjoy it. But that's an update. And, and, oh my God, this one threw me for a loop. So when I was finding the pictures of all of the um, Fred Phelps kids, Kathy, which is more known, like her real name's Catherine, Catherine, I think. Um, she is one of the four that left the WBC out of all the 13 Phelps kids. And I found out a couple of years ago, this poor old woman went back to the WBC. So she escaped this cult, had a life outside this cult, and then decided... <laughs> to go back to this cult. And the interview I watched with her, Shirley Phelps Roper is like sitting there and she just has this like irritated, smug, kind of like Karen look on her face the whole time her sister's being interviewed. And she just like, you can tell that Kathy's like holding back and trying to not say the wrong thing. She said she was just being extremely like picky with what, her yeah. like choice words. She was, yes, very much guarding what she was saying. And it just was very sad. And I, it just broke my heart. But yeah, so to this day, only three out of the 13 Phelps Ripper kids have left the WBC. And from, from my research, I think only one out of those three um, is, uh, two out of those three are still alive. One of them has passed away uh, back, I think, in like 2014 or 15 or something like that. So, yeah, that's that's your updates. I wanted. I thought they were pretty important. So I wanted to. I jump really in wonder here. what made her go back. Like I, I, what I, the change of. I think she went back. Heart was. I think she might have gone back. Do you think it was just manipulation from Shirley? I think. Okay, so what I've noticed in old people um, that. <laughs> I'm not trying to notice about the elderly. The elderly. And I'm not saying this to be rude. It's just the fact that I've noticed as people age, especially when they get to those, like, they can kind of tell they're ending their life, they're in getting near Mm -hmm. the ends of their lives, um, or their, like, health is declining. They have this kind of, like, for the lack of a better word, a come to Jesus kind of moment. And a lot of their life's decisions kind of, like, they have to sit with that. They realize like what they should have done better. I've seen it in my dad specifically. Um, It's just been really crazy to just see what he's kind of like come to terms with without even really talking about it. Mm -hmm. So with the beginning and ending of your life, I feel like that's where the most anxiety mm -hmm. is because you're figuring out how to be alive and then you're figuring out how to not be alive. And in the middle, you just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because like, I I feel like I don't care about anything. Yeah. I don't... (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Yeah. And I feel like she got out. She was still going to church from what I can tell, but it was just mm-hmm. not something like the WBC. And yeah. I, we guys, a lot of us know the ins and outs when it comes to religious trauma and how hard it can be to untangle that kind of mess. And I don't mm-hmm. know if she was in therapy or really grappling with yeah. what she was taught. So I think or she had a support group. Exactly. To like lean on. So I'm assuming that she might have kind of like gotten older and then what she was excommunicated. So like nobody's talking to her at all whatsoever. So she has no family or very mm-hmm. little family. And I think yeah. that became I'm I'm gonna guess that that became too much for her to handle. And so she decided it was worth going back to the cult so she could have her family in her last days. Uh, her father literally died with nobody by his side because he was excommunicated. Um, and Damn. his dementia was blamed on his sin. And <laughs> so hmm. it's just like so tragic. So I think her, her fear was, she probably had some fear related to that. That's just my guess. I could be wrong, but. It makes sense. That's my guess. I believe it. Yeah. Anyways, that's the All update. Right. Uh, <laughs> but we also have an announcement for you. Announcement music. Do, we don't do, have do, that. Do, 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 do. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I love the improv. Okay. There you go. Happy holidays, heathens. We will not be releasing an episode next week in honor of Christmas slash Yuletide. We will be taking time this season to reflect on what an amazing year this has been and planning our goals for 2024. We cannot do what we do without your support. So thank you for all of your suggestions and encouragement. We hope that you have an amazing holiday season. Please stay safe. Don't join a cult. Don't be a dick. Yes. Lacey, Drink some water. Else? Drink some water. Drink some water. Take a breath before you spend these call holidays. Call Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. or not Uncle, Uncle Sam. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, call, call Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. And Uncle Tim and whoever is being a dick this holiday season and be like, hey, that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, call him out. Motherfucker. Uh, but also take take some time to recoup. We know the holidays can be stressful. Mm-hmm. You've got this. You're loved. You're cared about. And we will see you guys next year. Thanks for listening. Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to like, follow, subscribe, whatever the hell you do. Just do it. Leave us a review. Say something nice, maybe. This Choircast podcast is produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins, and it's audio engineered by Eric Howell. Thank you for listening. Be nice to your local witch. (laughs) 